Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, a tale of spiritual awakenings, spiritual communication, and energy miracles and a guide to your intuitive soul nature. In today's show, I am delighted to welcome Mark Antonacci, author of Test the Shroud, which supports the theory that 21st century atomic and molecular level testing proves the Shroud of Turin is the burial cloth of Jesus, also proving for some who I have personally heard say to me the very existence of Jesus. Uh, he didn't exist. He might not have existed. So, hello, Mark, and thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. Mark, as listeners of Healing from Within are well aware, my guests and I search the metaphysical realms to understand more completely who we are, where we come from, and what is the purpose of our challenging physical lives. For those who explore these questions, they often find an intuitive connection to universal energy and to all soul life here and beyond and begin to know we are very much more than we appear to be for we are spiritual beings having a physical life quite simply to refine and re-experience situations that help us gain greater love and compassion in today's episode of healing from within Attorney Mark Antonacci, who is a leading expert on the Shroud and founder-president of Test the Shroud Foundation, who has the backing of several well-known scientists around the world, wishes to petition the Vatican for these tests to be conducted. If this burial shroud was tested at the atomic and molecular levels, several key events in history could well refute the controversial C-14 dating performed on the cloth in 1988. These advanced scientific techniques could demonstrate whether such a miraculous event occurred and also when it occurred and how it happened and the actual age of this cloth, its blood stains, and the identity of the victim. Mark, I always love to ask my guests to think back for a moment to their childhood and remember a person or a place or an event that may have shown them or others the work and values and interests that they would engage in later on in their adult life because I believe, well, I know, but I believe also, we are all born with a soul guidance system or blueprint for the life of the soul. So think back for a moment. Well, um, I never would have thought I would wind up doing something like this. Um, I was an agnostic when I stumbled onto this subject. Um, you know, when I'm a little boy, I think I'm going to be a, a major league baseball player someday. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of boys <laughs> and, think that. <laughs> well, you betcha. And um, I never, ever thought I would I go to law. I would go to law school. It, it happened um, well, as a result of being in college in the 60s and just acquiring a, a tool to address uh, many of the social issues that were 
prevalent at the time. And uh, I never, ever thought of myself as someday being a lawyer or an author or a writer, let alone uh, about a subject like this. I mean, I was raised uh, a Christian and, and, you know, picture your mother grabbing your ear and dragging you out the door <laughs> to church. That's, that's, that's what she did with three boys every Sunday, you know. And uh, we were disciplined problems in Sunday school and everything. And, and um, when I went away to college, um, I, and at 17, I just, that's the last, I only went to church when I'd come home again on, you know, Easter or Christmas or something like that. But um, I, I stumbled on the subject as a result of an argument uh, with an old girlfriend about um uh, my, me being an agnostic and she being a Christian, and it it, it appeared to to uh, put a roadblock in in our in our relationship, and and it was also um, it's nothing I ever had a clue. Um, there may have been signs that I missed. We are born with a plan and a destiny, and it's very funny. But when I was in college at seventeen. I kind of thought I would be an attorney, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I and I I did think that uh, I became a teacher. But the first night I met my husband, I said to him, "You'd be a good attorney," <laughs> and <laughs> and he became an attorney. And I knew somewhere deep down, it's what you said. I was interested in social conditions, and justice, mm-hmm. and peace, and balance, and harmony probably past lives uh, were more along those lines of finding the truth of who we are and why we're here on the planet. So it wasn't very different for you and I when I think back from what you just said. So there is a plan, and sometimes uh, we think we know what it is, uh, but the people that come in and the experiences we have offer us an opportunity uh, to go forward to do what we were born to do. And I don't believe well, anything is random. I think there really is a fine plan. But please tell us something about your modern modern self. How long have you been looking into Jesus's shroud? You seem enormously passionate about this. And how did a lawyer from the Midwest take this on as a life calling? Are you a religious well, man? Well, you weren't when you were little. But what what happened? Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, I, I, I went to church because my mom, my mom drug us to church. Right, you know? right. But, and thank goodness she did. Um, uh, I was always interested in the big issues, and those would have been, you know, in my frame of reference, you know, when I was in college, I majored in political science and, and minored in history, and those those were the big issues. and. And actually, the, these issues are involved in, in this. It covers all types of fields. But, oh, by the way, my my um, my identical twin brother, my mother, and my wife were all school teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I, I um, did look into the area briefly. Um, but um, I, I became a, a, a Christian because I realized that there is actually an extensive amount of evidence, scientific and medical evidence, um, that that corroborates 
the the gospel accounts of all the events comprising the the passion, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. And I felt like I had to pursue this subject, and I could not let it go. It was just too important. It's it's more important than than all the cases that the Supreme Court is ever going to hear. Um, it 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 relates to every person um, who might die someday. Right. Um, it, yeah. It, it affects and, us and all. You, yeah. What you you have is, believe it or not, you have the the only documented or evidenced path or route to life after death. But the whole um, description of the sacrifice uh, by Jesus, um, but after his death, this enormous radiant power, uh, energy, if you will, comes from this dead, crucified corpse. Um, and 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 you you could if you tested the shroud at the atomic and the molecular levels, you could prove that believe it or not, you could prove that particle radiation emanates from the length and width and depth of this crucified corpse, and you could prove when this event occurred. Now you wrote something. And uh, it relates to what we're talking about. You wrote, We stand at a unique moment in history. Because of the advancement of modern scientific technology, people throughout the world can finally answer some of the most fundamental questions of life that have perplexed generations of human history. Among the questions that could be answered are the existence, nature, an identity of God, and whether the passion, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ occurred exactly as those events are described in the Gospels. These and other foundational questions have never been satisfactorily or universally answered before because objective and independent evidence relating to these questions has never been known to exist. Well, I understand your search for the truth. Quite honestly, the truth is I am an intuitive Reiki energy practitioner and a medium. And I meditate and know there is an afterlife and get information that can serve us uh, to know the truth of who we are as energy beings. This would be physical evidence, but I have it in the work that I do day in, day out, and the connections I have made to spiritual teachers and leaders. And why should we question that Jesus existed? Do we question that Moses existed, the patriarchs of the Bible? Maybe all the stories uh, leave room for some doubt. But in general, as historians, and I also in college studied history uh, and philosophy, and English literature, and I was very interested in proof and truth because I had the same questions you had, right? And any way oh, oh, we can lead uh-huh. to evidence is is wonderful. I don't need it, and I'm sure you don't either, but it is good to have it for those who are so skeptical 
that they can't uh, gain this. But let's go on to, do you view this search um, and study as a religious, scientific, or legal issue? Um, certainly religious, scientific, medical, artistic, archaeological, mm-hmm. biological, um, legal not so much, historical obviously, um, legal not so much, um, but but the skills of being an attorney have really helped me very, very much. Um, it, it allows you to, <clears throat> you have to examine the relevance and the pertinence and the, the, the fakeability of evidence or the forgeability of evidence. And, and, and this in so many fields, and that has really helped me very much. Let's go on to when was the uh-huh. Shroud of Torin first discovered, and by whom? And why is, it, okay. why is its existence not so well known, and why do some consider it a forgery? That's a lot of questions in one, but you I'll have so to, much knowledge on this that we'd like to give it to our audience. Okay. The, the, the problem with the shroud is that thousands of tests and experiments have been done on this cloth, and all but one of these results is consistent. Uh, uh, all of these results except one is consistent with this cloth being Jesus' burial garment. It's very hard to comprehend this. It's very stunning. The only one that is inconsistent is the one that most people know about. And this, in 1988, it was carbon dated to the Middle Ages. Now, carbon, carbon date or carbon-14 is, is a process where you measure the radioactive atom, carbon-14, and you, you measure how much of this is left. And generally, this is a correct test. It's a valid test, but if particle radiation emanated from that dead body, it would create a number of radioactive atoms, three of which would still be on the cloth today. One of those is carbon-14. Now, if you test the shroud for its age by by other scientific or archaeological or historical methods, you will come out with a first century date. But if you test it by this one particular date that, that is, is, is thrown off, particularly by the neutrons, picture, when I say particle radiation, think of it as primarily protons and neutrons. These, these are the basic building blocks of matter. Um, this is how carbon-14 is created. Um, it doesn't exist naturally. It's created in the atmosphere um, caused by uh, cosmic rays uh, and neutrons circul- circulating around in the atmosphere and creating carbon-14, and they're absorbed by photosynthesizing plants. There is not a natural atom, if you will, or a natural um, element. Carbon-14 is a radioactive element. Uh, atom or isotope and you would if such an event occurred to the man in the shroud it would create billions of these radioactive atoms 
in a dot of blood or in a postage stamp size linen sample anywhere on that cloth. And uh, you would prove that you could prove that the distribution of these atoms, um, which which would be a number with about 18 zeros on it, um, um, you could prove that the distribution of these uh, is 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 completely consistent with with where they lied on the body image or how far they were from the body image. Same thing for the the blood marks on the cloth. You could prove that the most of them are from the uh you would get dates that are absurd you would get carbon dates that are 50,000 years into the future if you dated the blood marks and that's an impossible age yes but and, and yeah. only only neutrons could cause such a date um i guess i'm getting too complicated in my explanation well well but... the, the question is uh, has this testing been done or has some force or uh, entity uh, not allowed this to happen? Has, has, there is the, not, has the testing uh, that the, you want done been done? No. And we are, <laughs> we want to test the cloth, the blood marks, there's charred material on the cloth, and there's also um, limestone on the cloth. And of course, Jesus was buried in a limestone tomb. Mm-hmm. You, this technology has been developed for hard objects such as limestone. Um, if Jesus's burial tomb is 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 extant, you could find these radioactive atoms that would not exist in any limestone rock shelf in the world. You would find them there. Now, for softer objects such as blood or linen, um, you would you would have to refine the techniques to to detect these radioactive atoms. They are there, but you have to refine the processes, and that technology has not been perfected. So you can't you don't want to test these until they're perfected until you can find these radioactive atoms every time when you look for them in a piece of linen or a piece of blood or a piece of charred material. And are there you, people, you could, yes, yes, are there people, Mark, perfecting this, this technique now so it will be able to be used? Our foundation, which is uh, Test the Shroud Foundation, and our website is testtheshroud.org. We are raising funds and conducting um, a number of tests and experiments uh, to perfect this technology so that it could be tested sometime on the Shroud in the future. And only then are we going to ask the Vatican, who, who has owned the Shroud since 1982, only then would we ask the Vatican to seriously consider uh, applying these techniques to the shroud. You could also test the shroud at the molecular level, and much of that technology has been developed. And that would give you more information in six hours of scanning both sides of the cloth, uh, non-destructively, by the way. You would, you would acquire more 
evidence and information in that six-hour scanning period than you have acquired in 125 years of hit-and-miss research on the shroud. Okay, Mark, is the shroud at the Vatican? I didn't think it was there. It is at the Vatican? It's not at the Vatican. It's not at the Vatican. It's kept in Turin, Italy. The last member of the royal family of Italy, uh, upon his death in 1982, he willed it to the Vatican on the condition that it remain in Turin, or Torino, as Italians pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is. The Vatican owns it, but they, they keep it in Turin, where it has been for hundreds of years. Oh, okay. Very good. So that makes that clear to our listeners. Now, I have a little story. Uh, several years ago, I interviewed Dr. Vernon Silvest, author of The End of Fear, who has recently passed. And I was so impressed with his story of the Shroud of Turin. And I traveled on two planes to Virginia for a spiritual retreat at Healing Waters Lodge, which had been owned by... Uh, Dr. Margaret Kubler-Ross, who studied near-death experiences and the afterlife and was the founder of hospice as we know it today. And at the... I, uh, at, you know that place? Do you know the... Was hill? she from Chicago? Was she from Chicago? She may have been, but then she lived, obviously, at this Healing Waters Lodge, and it was at that workshop with Dr. Sylvester that he okay. talked very enthusiastically about seeing the Shroud of Torin and showed slides of it. So I was very curious to know more about the implications of this remnant of history and, of course, the story of Jesus, because as an energy soul practitioner and medium, I have received impressions for myself and clients for from Jesus and Mother Mary as they come to those who are on a path seeking knowledge of healing and compassionate love because they're guides for those who work to change and bring peace and healing into our modern day world. So uh, I'm very interested in the public knowing more about the history and the truth and I'm sure it will continue to come out and help us all understand we are spiritual beings with an energetic presence and uh, when we leave this life there is life beyond here and uh, we are all connected through that energy and divine spiritual energy that cannot be ended because energy as we know it can never be destroyed so that's why perhaps yes. it's in the cloth for people down the road to discover it and learn from that, that the energy of the divine God source universe, whatever one thinks to call it, can be proven in a physical way, not just within the heart, but, but in, in, in a physical way for proof. So that was the story I wished to share with you uh, because okay. I, I would not have known about this without the continuous connections that are made for me to move along and to help myself and others learn more. So what physical characteristics of Jesus could we possibly discern? 
um, the image that you have, the picture of Jesus that you have, uh, probably did come from the shroud. The shroud, some historians think the shroud um, was at times in its history was folded up like you would a large bath towel. You would mm-hmm. double it, you would fold it twice. Uh, there's lots of um, fold lines on the cloth that are consistent with this, and uh, the image of Edessa and the Mandelian are described in, with such a fold pattern. It's also described as a facial image and a, a long cloth like the size of the shroud. Mark, do you think the Shroud of Turin point to the existence of God? And does it also show us that we are all going to die? And might it prove that there is life after death? Well, we all know where we're going to die. But the Shroud does point to, yes, there is life after death. This is the only evidence of a divine, miraculous event. And this event also um, provide you life after death. This this miraculous event happens to a a body that was in rigor mortis at the time. This man was dead, and it not only allows you to realize the miraculous divine event occurs to this individual, but some source other than he at the time, such as just as he predicted, uh, God the Father brings him back to life. But yeah, but really exactly. really his mission was and continues to be to show us the divine energy of God or source or the divine or universal energy whatever you wish to call it that resides in each of us and will bring us past this life back to an afterlife or life after life, whatever you wish to call it, because as divine souls, uh, we are a mystery. And he was a wonderful mystery, and he did his job. His job was to teach us that we are more than we appear to be in this physical realm and to trust and live a life of goodness and harmony and balance and love and compassion as he did and that the physical world could never destroy that. And I want to thank you, Mark Antonacci, author of Test the Shroud, for your intense study of the Shroud of Turin, which can offer us a great deal of physical evidence about a time long ago in the history of human development and the way to understand how there are still mysteries beyond science and there is still wisdom in the search for our true nature as both divine and physical beings whose imagination and curiosity lead us to know more about ourselves and our universe. And how yeah. how can we find uh, more information uh, to purchase your book? Testtheshroud.org or testtheshroud.com. And um, the book is available not only on that website, but it's available in bookstores uh, and on Amazon.com as well. Okay. All right. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have actually looked into one man's search beyond physical conditions to answer questions about the soul or eternal nature of life. And with new technology, it may be possible to know 
if Jesus Christ's dead crucified body miraculously gave off particle radiation from its length, width, and death as it disappeared. Mark and I would have you remember that in examination of physical evidence, we actually find our intuitive connection to all people and places that existed before us and know that the search continues always, moving past limitations and restrictions to being at peace with ourselves and life and the gift of searching truly awakens us to the power of living consciously and in tune with universal forces. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to hear and read about the many secrets of life, spirituality, science, psychology, energy, medicine, the arts, and ways to know yourself more intimately and conquer that which holds you back from personal freedom. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.